So I know what you're thinking. It's another week and it's another interview. Today we're interviewing someone that we've never interviewed before, someone different and fantastic and amazing. But before we get to that part, I want to talk to you guys about some good news that I did not remember to share with you guys from before. Chad and I had talked about this in our private group chat, like yeah. when it came out, but we so just we, forgot to mention we it. We had a discussion off air, but I forget. Why do we talk about stuff off air? We've got to talk to you to kind of hear us. we got to talk to you know, guys. What's the point of discussing anything if we're not going to, you know, share it with the people? So now we're sharing with the people. Yes. Now we're sharing with the people as... M- those of you who are in the lifestyle, you know, the LS, in the non-monogamy polyamorous world, you know that Somerville, Massachusetts recognized polyamorous domestic partnerships at the end of June, beginning of July. So, like I said, this was like a long time uh, ago. It was like <laughs> over a month a and a half ago. ago. I mean, yeah. If we count the end of July, it's not a month ago yet. If we're counting that. It came out, yeah. It, it it was over a month ago because it came out at the end of June. It was June 29th, oh, June. and then the oh, articles came out on July 1st. Oh, So, see, this is how long it's been. We're old. We don't remember anything. But, yeah, they passed an ordinance recognizing domestic partnerships, you know, and changing the definition. So it used to be have entity formed by two persons. Now it's just entity formed by people. Replaces she and he with they, with both, with all. And they put a bunch of other inclusive language in there. It passed unanimously, so apparently Somerville, Massachusetts is where to go if you want to be legally coupled, throupled, grouped up. Mult- multiple. Multiple. I like there the of that. Did, have you ever been to Massachusetts? Like, is this a livable place? I don't know. I don't know how it is. Um, I have been to Western Mass because my sister went to college in Western Mass. And so Western Massachusetts, just, so yes. Do, do, <laughs> what are the odds of carnival in, in Massachusetts, like? Um, I have never been to Carnival in Massachusetts. So I think if it was there, it'd be in like Boston, maybe. But I, yeah. I've been to Boston once. It was, you know, like a pass through on the way to Western Mass. So I didn't spend yeah. too long there. I didn't really do anything. But I mean, Massachusetts itself seemed okay. I mean, it's a blue state or something, right? I, I think so. Yeah, I know Boston. I've heard something about Boston. Yeah, Boston's weird. Yeah, Boston's one of those things. I have I know people who are from Boston. Hello, Boston listeners. We're not gonna shit on your city. I've never personally lived there, so I don't know what it's really like. I can only go by what I've heard. You got a fun accent, is all I know about Boston. Yes, and and something to do with the mob. Or is that Chicago? Or is that both of them? Who knows? Uh, anyway, of their mobs. Yeah. Either way, the <laughs> point is their mobs. The point is that some of them are looking somewhere to live. Yep. <laughs> and and you're in a you know a full on polycule and you want to be committed legally, then you know head on over to uh. Somerville. Where is it? <laughs> I already forgot. I know <laughs> Somerville. I hope I I'm pronouncing it right. I can't even say Massachusetts. I hope it, you can't pronounce that. I can't pronounce the actual state. Uh, who knows anything? Anyway, yeah. It's okay. It's okay. All so right. is that that's America, where we go. it's your turn. <laughs> yes. Get get with the program. Get with the program. But you know what else is really, really dope about, you know, I mean, let's say, so flying, I'm about three hours from Boston. But if I were to <laughs> make some like sexy five. friends in Boston, Ooh. then I could video chat them from the comfort of my own home using playground.net. <laughs> They have this fun new video chat feature that is, what do they say, exploding all over the yeah. site. 
Mm, <laughs> and I'm sure there's exploding going on on those video chats. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So if you're looking for Naughty Fun from the safety and comfort of your own home, I'll pick out that right video now. chat. Yeah, you know, is the place to do that. So you can talk with a sexy couple or an individual or if a bunch of y'all want to get freaky together, you can create a secure group video chat. And I think that's amazing. I think a lot of dating apps are also doing this. So I'm glad that Alt Playground really, really integrated this into their system because I don't know of other lifestyle sites that are doing this. So they yeah. are like changing the game. They're really, really like changing the game and providing us with all of our fun and like one place. We did communities, we did conferences, we have forums, we have a bunch of amazing stuff. The podcast corner where you guys can find us in our episodes every week. Like... What, where else do you need to go to make lifestyle exactly. friends and like connect with people except for altplayground.net? Yeah, they've got everything right now. I mean, it's not just one feature. It's all the features. And yeah, this video chat thing, I think, you know, I might end up using it because, yeah, right now is not the time to be looking and finding people in new, in new like cities and towns now. But get yourself a little video chat. Get yourself a group video chat. That's what, you know, that's what I'm in support of. Digital, digital, get down. Yeah, that. <laughs> Alrighty. So, yes, check it out today at altplayground.net. Just sign up. Of course, we'll have the links in our show notes. And since I did that, let's just cut to the freaky deaky. I'm Jen. Oh, I'm Sham. And? And we're, we're monogamous. monogamous. Nope. Sorry, my upstairs neighbor's banging around like crazy. I preempted myself. I came too early. Oh, boy. I mean, early. it's fine when you do. The guy doesn't surprise me. Anyway, so, interview. I know, the title of this episode is Aromantic and Poly. So you're probably wondering, say what now? But that is is okay. (laughs) Yeah, we interviewed a polyamorous person who is aromantic, which is something that I did not know too much about before speaking with her. So I'm going to give you a quick little, tell you who she is and what she's about. We're going to play the interview and then we're going to come back and say nice things about her because she is a monogamish super fan. Like she loves the podcast. She's listened to every freaking episode and yeah, that was so weird when she started saying, like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this is an episode before. I was like, oh, well, this is weird. <laughs> yep, she knows, we have she knows it. She knows all about it. So today we're talking to Vanilla Rose. It's obviously not her real name, but, you know, like we, we keep things classy on here and anonymous if you want it. Um, she's been on her journey for about five years. And, you know, she's in consensual non-monogamy and BDSM, kink, leather, she considers herself a black heterosexual woman with pansexual leanings, which she explains more in the interview. And she's also down with the G.O.D. Like, oh, yeah, she's really she's like actively a Christian, which is also interesting. And I definitely want to bring her back to talk about that. And yeah, she's on the aromatic spectrum. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. That's the whole everything she explains. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. just like mind blown. It's like, oh, this is a thing. And then she says something else. And it's like, oh, that's also a thing. Yeah. So definitely don't skip this one. But why yeah. would you skip this one? You're already here. 
Exactly. You're already here. So just listen to V. I call her V. She's my little V. <laughs> Talk about herself and have us just like really sit there mostly engrossed and just listening to her beautiful yes. southern yeah, tones. So there's that. So yeah, here's the interview. It's going to play right now, right here. Just keep listening. Okay. Today, Sham and I are here talking to our lovely guest, V. And V is one of my favorite online friends right now. She listens to the podcast and she loves everything about me. So really, that makes her like number one in my book. How about in your, Sham? Um, if she loves you, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good reason for me to love her too. So yeah, I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah, so today we're talking to V. She is polyamorous, and she is correct, right? I'm not saying, I'm not miss. Yes. Okay, great. See, I thought I was right, but, you know, even though we are always right as the eldest, it's always good to check every once in a while. <laughs> so V is polyamorous, and so we want to talk to her a bit about her journey into polyamory and uh, just, you know, get to know her a bit more. It's kind of like a profile, but also educational, because there are things that V knows that I definitely don't know, and there are things that she knows that Sham doesn't know either. So we're like, hey! Let's bring her on. Let's talk to her. Let's Probably get more to of the latter. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But yeah, thank you for joining us, V. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with your favorite podcasters. Wink, wink. Yes, I appreciate the invite. And you all are my favorite. I don't care what you heard from other people. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, that's what I like. That's what I like. We'll, we'll take it there. So let's start with a little bit about your non-monogamous journey. So when would you say you realized that you were non-monogamous? Not necessarily polyamorous, because, you know, so for some people that comes later on, but non-monogamous. Yeah. When would you say you realized that? I would say probably the first time I started dating or be, became interested in dating. Um, back in the day, we used to always call it talking to someone. So I always talked to different people, but I... Right, the talking stage. But I always connected more with guys than I did anyway. So it was kind of easy for me. And the funny part is my friends who were dating at the time would come to me to tell me all about their dating lives. And I would be a, a bit confused about certain things. One is like, why are you coming to me? Because I don't know. <laughs> but two, you know, um, I think I learned more about relationships just by watching them than actually my own experiences. So once I got out of college, I started really getting into dating and I would date multiple people, but I never did the whole relationship thing. Um, I would see this guy, this guy, this guy. And so when I was seeing at one point, I was seeing three different guys and we never talked about whether we were seeing other people or anything like that. We just saw each other when we wanted to and then lived our lives accordingly. And the person that I referred to as my first love, we went to college together and we had a passionate night and I wanted to continue to see him. But I told him I was already seeing other people. And he was like, in order to see me, you can't see the other people. And I was like, OK. All right, I won't see the other people. So I just dated him. And I would say that was not a good a good move to make, but it was 
it was one that was necessary for my journey. So I would say it probably started when I first started dating, but I only went to the monogamy thing because that's what, in order to be with him, that was his requirement. And it was a conscious choice that I made. So I have, you know, I was only, I was accountable to myself about that. And it wasn't necessarily like I had a conversation with the other guys. I just really stopped talking to them. So you ghosted them? You ghosted. just ghosted them. I'm saying the same wow. Place. Okay, to be fair, to be fair. Um, no judgment. They were actually, it, it dawned upon me later on because I still, even though I may not necessarily still be involved with people, I still maintain cool relation connections with them. And come to find out they were already dating other people and they ended up marrying those people that they were dating when they were seeing me. <laughs> so, oh, wow. So you had some kind of good worked luck. Out. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. So you ghosting them made them want to marry the other people they were dating. OK, I guess I can thank you for that. <laughs> I think because at the time we did not have the term ghosting. That just was kind of par for the course. Like if you didn't hear from somebody, you already knew that they already was with someone else. So there was really no expectation that a person was going to contact you or tell you, oh, by the way, I'm seeing someone else. Because in uh, monogamous concepts, that's just um, the way that it is. That's just part of that culture. It's not necessarily a let's be honest about everything that we're doing. It's kind of like, I'm going to see you when I see you, when I don't want to see you anymore. I have no obligation to speak to you because we were not in a um, committed relationship. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> we were just dating or I'm sorry, the word that we use back in the day is if you, you were either talking to somebody or kicking it with them. Those. <laughs> oh, okay. I, 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 I don't know this kicking it with one, but I know, I know talking. We have we have a talking stage in Jamaica. I mean, I'm I'm technically the talking stage with a couple of people that I'm quote unquote dating by modern standards right now. So I feel you. So so kicking it is when like when you're monogamous or is that when sex is involved? Like is sex involved in both of those stages for you guys? I'm just curious. Um, I would say kicking it is basically um, what people would say call friends with benefits or casual sex partners. So if you're kicking it, it's like we're kicking it is basically we're spending time with each other the way that we want to. But there's no obligation on anyone's part um, relationship wise. So there's no title with it. So no title, no expectations, no role definitions. So you kick it for as long as you want to. And then you go your separate ways. So if you don't hear from someone. You don't necessarily internalize it as something bad. It was just kind of like, that's how it's, it's set up anyway. So if I disappear, I don't owe you an explanation for anything. I can just disappear. <laughs> so now it's called mm-hmm. ghosting. But yeah. back in the day, it was just mm-hmm. kind of, that's what everyone did. But I think for me, that's why non-monogamy worked for me. Because if you disappeared, that was fine. Because I was already seeing other people. Wow. Anyway, you're like, I'll just cross you off the list of my commitments. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Pretty, pretty much. And um, because serial monogamy is so um, popular, I had seen people do that in their relationships. So I, it's like one day, oh, this is my person and I love 
them and we're together, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like two weeks later, we're broken up and I can't stand them. And then three weeks after that, it's like, and here's my new boo. <laughs> I love them and I can't live without them. And it, yeah. it goes on and on. Yep, I understand. I mean, and sometimes, to be honest, for a lot of serial monogamists, I've noticed there's no real break between the two relationships because what's happening is you're already like you already know you're on the way out of the first one so you're kind of cultivating a connection with someone else and kind of hoping that it leads to what you want so yeah serial monogamy is a weird thing but I, I kind of understand it but I kind of view it also from a somewhat negative side effect where it's like you're afraid of being alone with yourself and mm-hmm. that's the only reason why you would hop to so many serious committed things one right after the other. Like, when do you have you time to reconnect? Um, I think the, the issue with that is because we're not raised to have healthy relationships. So which means we're not raised to do the self work to say this is. These are the issues that I have. This is how I'm working through it. And here's how I'm going to connect to another person. We're raised in a society that we are inundated with things that when you're young, your goal is to grow up, get married, have babies. That is what you're going to do. You you find someone, you connect with that person, and that's the only person you have sex with for the rest of your days. And that is how you, you're, you're brought up. So you may date people. But it's very, there's no real expectation until you get with that one person. And then that's your person forever. So anything that you had in regards to how you saw your parents interact, anything that you internalized about how you feel about connections, we're not taught about any of those things. So we become adults and we're trying to figure out ways in order to connect with people because all living things want to connect to something. So and that and it doesn't mean it's always a healthy connection. So then we end up with these unhealthy connections and then realize, I don't know what the issue is. And unfortunately, in our society, we um, there's this lack of accountability. So it's always your partners or your former partners that was that were the issue, even though you're the common denominator, you're great. But all your partner, all your past partners are horrible. So when there's no, you know, um, teaching of, well, you might want to look internally to see if maybe there's something you're not doing right. The, the goal is serial monogamy is OK, because your whole goal is eventually marriage and babies. So it's okay if we serial. And I think that's why people have a hard time transitioning from monogamy to consensual non-monogamy because they're like, oh, this is too much because we were never taught. This is how you, you know, create healthy relationships because we're just taught you find somebody, you get with that person and that's the person you just be with. And then you guys just figure it out as you go. Yeah, no, that's very true. See, all that what you said, Perfect. Amazing. Love it. You're so smart, V. Like, so smart. Jeez. I'm gonna have to, like, create a book of quotes just for you also. We have so many smart people are in our lives, Jam. We're grateful. Just want to let you know that. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> let you feel that. Many good resources for us. <laughs> many good resources. So, question. So you went from kicking it to this, you know, one guy. How did you transition from that to, like, 
I guess, a more formal version of non-monogamy, I guess, where you have the actual, you know, like, language or, like, an actual knowledge of this, this whole world that we're living in. Um, I like to call myself a researcher by trade and by nature. Um, so after that relationship, I it took me a minute to get through uh, that relationship. And I tried to... I ended up talking to someone else and, and that didn't work out. And about the time that that ended, my dad passed away. So at that point, I was dealing with so much emotional and spiritual stuff. I decided to just kind of like take a break and try to figure out what it is that I, I wanted to, to do. Um, when I finally got back into dating after a little bit over 10 years, I thought monogamy was going to be the way that I was going to go because I'm like married kids. So I tried with one person again. And then after that, I was like, I cannot. And I actually, (laughs) I was put into a group of single people and everyone started talking about LS and vanilla. And I was just like, I have no idea what that means. So I asked the person what the LS meant and they explained, I was like, okay, what kind of group is this? And so as I started to meet people and they start to use certain words and start talking about it, I started researching more. And I uh, met a, a gentleman who was into kink as well. And he and I started talking and he was also poly. So from there, that's how I, uh, we were trying to cultivate a dynamic in a relationship And from there, I started to do my research and meet more people and observe. And then that's how I really found out the language and how to um, navigate those. Um, Unfortunately, when people think non-monogamy or polyamory, the go-to is triad. Um, But the issue with that is, at the time, I was strict heterosexual at that time that was the only definition that I knew so I'm like okay that's not gonna work but I was like and I adore men and penises are my favorite so I don't know how that's gonna to work so as we were speaking he actually was the most I would say open-minded one because he was just basically you know, date whomever, be with whomever you want to. That's that's your thing. That's fine. And I'll be with whomever I want to. And that's fine. So from there, that's how I figured out how to uh, learn. That's at the point where I figured out the language or learned the language and started to cultivate what my polyamory looks like. All right. So you are strictly dickly. That's what we call that in Jamaica when you're like into penis, strictly dickly. So you did that. Um, so you made this journey, of course. Now you're you've researched about polyamory. You think polyamory fits your lifestyle. And yeah, triads are really the go to on TV, especially. It's like, oh, yeah, we're in a triad. And it's just like, you know, lesbian or, you know, bisexual unicorn thing happening. There's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So where do you where would you say you fall now? Like what type of polyamory would you say you practice now? And has that influenced your sexuality in any way? Or are you still considered strictly dickly? Um, I'm going to go back a little bit before that question. Um, in my research, and I was just listening to one of your prior uh, podcasts, 
where I was really into real sex. That was like one of the best shows. Um, okay, I do for remember, sure. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember their um, episode on polyamory. But I did watch, and when it came on again, I rewatched polyamory and dating the first the first and second episodes yeah so that's how I saw but you know it's particularly white people so but at least I got an education about polyamory um I've always I've always had a connection to people and their energies regardless of their sex or gender expression or sexual orientation I just had this thing about people but I did not have the language to say what that connection felt like because we're raised that you have two feelings, either you're straight or you're gay. Like there's nothing in between. <laughs> so I'm just mm-hmm. like, I know about gay, but I have a connection with this person. So as I started to go along and do research, I found out about pansexuality and it started to um, come to a head. So once I, did a little bit of research on that. I call myself heterosexual with pansexual leanings. Um, And then I was trying to figure out, especially in polyamory with the definitions so strict about romanticism and sex. I was just like, but that's not me. I'm like, I need to find something else. And as a person who is, as I say, I'm on the aromantic spectrum, as a person who identifies that way, I said there has to be another type of uh, word or phrase or something. And then I did research and come to find out that there's more than one type of love. Romantic love is just one out of seven. So I'm like, oh, this makes sense. And I started to find other language and other words. And as I connected with people, I'm trying to let them understand. And it's funny because I could see a woman and I'm just like, oh, I just want to hug and cuddle her. And they're like, you're bi. And I'm like, it's not like I said cuddle her. I didn't want to like lay down while I had sex with her. Why is that? So I can have, I can experience physical intimacy without it being sexual intimacy. And as far, it is funny that we say more than one love, but we're very stringent about that just having one love, like we're very monolithic about that. (laughs) Like if it's love, it just has to be this one when it's, it's not. And then I found the the term queer platonic relationships. And that really clicked for me because my relationships are not aren't romantic, but they're not platonic either. It's, It's kind of like somewhere in the middle. So I have all these like sprinkled identifiers. So my identifier is, heterosexual with pansexual leanings on the aromatic spectrum. I am learning so much today. <laughs> like I, I, I know there were other types of love, but I never once considered that, oh, polyamory could mean multiple loves and then each love is a different type of love. So it's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to weave all these different things together at once. Like, oh, this is interesting. See, see, this is the kind of thing um, Jen was talking about, you know. You're teaching us. You're teaching me. I feel like Jen probably knew this already, but you know. Oh, um, only, be- only because you told me privately. <laughs> That's the only reason that I know. Because we had a conversation about this before, and I was like, you are so interesting, B. My God, people would love to hear from you. Show up. Right, so I'm humbled by that. I'm seriously humbled by that. Um, 
in in a romantic um, arena on the spectrum, there's various types of ways. So I'm like really weird about that um, because I grew up in my teen years. I really got into romance novels. I love romantic stories and romantic movies. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. But for my life, I don't get it. So I've had guys like, let me buy you flowers or write you a poem. I'm like, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, I, wow. I, They're oh. trying to romance you and you're kind of like, oh, all right. Do you really <laughs> want to do this? I guess if you have to. But yeah, so like, I mean, so you said you grew up, you know, you loved romance novels. You love romance. So like, when did you first realize that you didn't really feel that romantic attraction the way they describe it in the movies in your own life? When I was a child. Oh, so like from very, very young. Yes, very young. Um, when I was, you know, I was not one of the gr- little girls who dreamt about her, her wedding. Um, when I was little, I was just like, okay, I don't want to be married, um, but I wanted to have children. So in that particular, quote unquote, traditional sense, I said, oh, I have to be married in order to have babies. So that would be my purpose. So my husband was going to be like my baby making machine. Let's just, that's basically how that was going to work. And I then, mean, what else was he good for? I'm just saying. I'm just, basically, uh, I can't he was going to, <laughs> and he was going to um, cook and help me take care of the kids. Like I was going to go out and work and he was going to stay home and take care of the kids. So <laughs> that was the way I had it up, set it up in my mind, in my my teen in my yeah probably about my teen years um and nothing wrong with that (laughs) normalized having house husbands i know because you know what came out during that time was mr mom remember that mr mom yes that's that's right listen i would love to have a house husband because i would go crazy staying at home being a stay-at-home parent i know myself my kids would hate me because i would helicopter the fuck out of them like just straight up like it would just it would be all over i i'd be that parent that's at every pta meeting every event ev- everything and they'd be like oh god oh god jen's coming oh god oh god oh god what do we do now so i don't want to be that person i need to be occupied otherwise i need to go to an office or do something that doesn't have me controlling every aspect of my child's life so a stay-at-home dad would be great as long as he had lots of money. So we didn't really need my income to work. We just need, you know, I just need That's to get out of the house. That's how that works. Um, that is the I opposite of the... I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I think it works however I want it to work, Shan. Just saying. Yes. I, on the other hand, would love to be a, stay, a stay-at-home husband. I don't, I don't need work. I'm fine. I can stay at home and watch telenovelas or whatever housewives do. So I just keep trying to get the wife like, you know what? You just... Get a better job. Come on, just get that promotion so you can support both of us, and then I can just stay home. And well, I can't really cook that great, but you know, I can do other stuff. Listen, helpers are for cooking. I'm just saying, you can have a helper. A helper can help you do many things. You, you, even as a stay-at-home parent, you are allowed to have help. Just saying. You absolutely. So I both... Yeah, so I think we're me and Jen are both bad at this because she wants to be she wants to have a, a stay-at-home husband. But she doesn't want to make the money, and I want to be a I want to be a stay-at-home husband, but I don't want to cook or clean or do any of the house things. So yeah, we're we're, we're very bad at this. But see, then you get another partner that kind of compliments the two, and then boom, ah. see how polyamory works. Yes. There Hello, it is right here. winner, winner. We've got it all together. 
So your your future, well, your your husband as a teenager was going to be just the, the baby maker machine. It's like, yeah, you you give us what we need and then you just take care of them. That's great. We'll we'll we'll, yeah. we'll figure out the partnership part together. So it's like, great. Yeah. When did you first learn the term like aromantic? Just like that word in general. I don't think that that didn't pop up for me as a child. It was kind of always considered weird if you weren't into the marriage and babies and the flowery romance stuff. So, and I never even heard the word aromantic until I was an adult. So when did that word appear in your life? I did not really notice aromanticism until probably a few months ago. Um, As I was trying to, I was in different groups and people would say things and I was just like, oh yeah. And so I started following certain pages and they had like, a romantic awareness week and they came up with all the different types of and I was like oh that explains a lot and the the the, the bad part not the bad part but the flip side or the negative side of being not only when you're non-monogamous but also um, a romantic is that you are a commitment foe so that's an issue that I have with the way that even um, professional psychology deals with that of laboring you a commitment vote because you don't follow monogamy standards and that's just not true so i think thinking about how people felt uh with how my friends would say things about to me and how i noticed things i'm just like oh yeah okay and i read the definition and how they you know broke it down i'm like oh it makes sense so really it's just like a couple of months ago that i really put that identifier into my uh vocabulary into my personalities and vocabulary so it's very new to me well I mean you also you say talk about being researchers so I'm sure you researched a lot about it before it even really began to sit properly in your mind so it's so great for you to share that with us because I know there are people out there who have similar feelings especially black people where we're there things are just so difficult for us on a whole that Mm -hmm. being outside the quote-unquote norm in any way that's not accepted so like even it's like oh yeah you're gay or you're straight or now you can be trans you know whatever whatever all the letters in the lgbtqia plus 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 scenario and that's something that's kind of accepted but once you start talking about romance and you know how you receive and perceive love and the different types of love people start looking at you like you're a crazy person absolutely I also, so I am, I like to give my disclaimers. So let me do one of my disclaimers. Um, I am not anti-romanticism. I'm not anti-marriage. I'm not anti-monogamy. I am very pro whatever is authentic for you um, should work. So when I'm saying these things that apply to myself, no, romance in my life, absolutely not. Marriage, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. That's just me. But for everyone else, I, I'll celebrate it if that's the thing that you um, want to do. And it has been an interesting conversation because for my polyamorous journey, which is about, yeah, it's like five years, my connections have been with people who are already partnered. So they already had, for me, they already had that person that they can do the romanticism thing with. And then I'm the person that they, don't have to do that with and that also kind of that also attaches with the languages of love so like if I have a partner who likes to give things I don't say 
get out my face with that. Um, I accept it graciously because I understand that's how they, they're showing love. Because it's not just about me and what I want and need and desire. It's about my partners, too. So I can I, I have a, a funny little story about that. So my my longest um, partner, who I call my honey, he is pretty much like me about just about everything. And he gifted me some footy pajamas for my birthday. Do you know that's like the, one of the best gifts ever? <laughs> and I don't do romantic gifts. I would, I would love some of those right now. I'm right there with you. I get it. I ordered some socks on Amazon because my feet get cold when I sleep. So footy pajamas would have been ideal for me in this moment. It's like that was that was romantic to me. Was footy pajamas, <laughs> you know? But also, just, who doesn't love free stuff? Right. Like, so I don't. A romantic is not a free stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So it's it's been interesting where. I think for me, the identity is more to help me understand myself more than it is to really translate to someone else. Um, because for, I'm also, so along with all my other identifiers, I identify as solo poly with relationship anarchy leanings. I have a lot of leanings. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think we're all human. No one really fits in one box exactly. Right. So, yeah. Right. So the the work I, I I'm very I enjoy words a lot. Um and they're just to help us to communicate, but the, as they say the devil is in the detail. So you have to have that one-on-one conversation cuz customization is the key to finding your compatible partner. And um for me it's um, all of my relationships from the outside look the same because friendship has to be the foundation for all of my connections. And so from the outside, like me, you would think everybody, even my partners, are, are just my friends because that's how I approach all my relationships. And everybody is, everything is egalitarian. Everybody is on the same. So if you're a person who you quote unquote need to feel special or a little bit more than someone else. I'm really not the person for you, but I don't necessarily have that issue with people who are already partnered because they already have somebody with, for that. Um, the issue that I come in, I come with is when I meet a partner person who wants to have our relationship be identical to that with, the, with their established partner. And I say, I adore you and your wife or your spouse is your spouse, but I don't want to be your spouse. Like, I don't want to be your second wife. <laughs> you know, so you're not I, looking for a sister wife lifestyle. No, I don't, I don't want to be. And, and I get approached for that. And, and I understand where they're coming from, from that. And I have a whole nother what, thing that I think about that. But. It's for me, it's I want a relationship that works for the both of us. But you have to understand, I'm not your spouse. I'm a completely different person. And to try to expect me to be like your spouse is going to set us up for failure because I'm not going to I'm not going to make it. But no, that that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. And like you said, the relationship has to work for both parties. You have to tailor your individual relationships to match whoever you're with and wherever you're at at the time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. I'm thinking about it now. I'm thinking that's 
I think that's kind of what I want. Where you know, because I already have a wife, but I also want, like, I want a, another relationship, but I don't want uh, necessarily pure, purely physical. So I kind of like the idea where you're saying, you know, you're still intimate with them in a way, but just not in a fully romantic setting. So I'm thinking about it like, yeah, this whole a romantic thing kind of makes sense. And I'd like to point out to the listeners that I believe you said you didn't really know the, the language or the terms till like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So like say, we're all, this just shows that we're all just figuring things out as we go, you know? As much as she clearly sounds like an expert now, she knows what she's doing and she's, you know, in this whole lifestyle. She's still, just a few months ago, she didn't know what the, what the word was and now she's living that lifestyle full. So if you're on your journey, still trying to figure yourself out, here's some inspiration for you. Look at V. Look at V. This is how she does it. <laughs> that is, yeah. I um, And I think it's also because I enjoy, I, I really, well, I thoroughly enjoy sex. But I don't have it as part of all of my relationships because I have close, intimate relationships with partners who I don't have sex with. And it's not to say that they're gross or anything. I just, for me, I have this thing where there's a thin line of um, sex is important to you versus obligatory sex. So I don't want to feel as your partner that I'm obligated to have sex with you because I'm your partner. So I try to create my boundaries with my relationship to where people are getting the things that they they need, want, and desire, but not necessarily with expectations. So to me, uh, romanticism sometimes have that unfortunate expectation that if you're romantic, you have to have sex with me. Oh, for sure. I, I feel that. And I understand that. Honestly, I am... I have a high sex drive when I'm in a relationship with you or when I'm feeling one of my whole phases, because that happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm going through a drought as it relates to all of those things. So no sex happening here. But yeah, I, I there is this expectation that once you are in a relationship with someone, that sex has to become a part of it. And I use in a relationship to describe a romantic sort of connection and how people perceive romantic relationships to work. Um, cause of course, when you talk about having sex with your friends, people are looking at you like you're crazy. They're like, what, you fuck your friends? How, right. how do you do that? And I'm like, because it is a sort of relationship and I can do what I want as long as we both agree to it. Right. <laughs> so I, I have said this before to people. I said, I only fuck my friends or people that I can consider being friends with. And they're like, well, that's, that's not acceptable. I'm like, why not? And this is just how we will express our affection for each other from time to time. We just want a bone and that's it. Yeah. Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? But there is this boundary that people seem to think that exists between these different types of love and relationships and the actions that are required for each of those things. And it's great that you have this kind of sense of yourself and what you want to know that I don't need societal expectations on my bullshit. Get out my pussy. I can do what I want. (laughs) Get out my pussy. Wow. There's a there's a quote. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> right, put that, like, yeah, put that on a t-shirt. Can you get a mem and watermark that? That'd be great. Yeah, that, that'd be a, that'd be super. And the funny thing is, um, with the, so I have been interested in having a girlfriend for a couple of years. Um, 
it's amazing what people on the outside see about you because as I go through this journey, I've had a couple of people who've told me things. I'm like, you're crazy. And then I'm like, you know what? You were so right. Um, but I think the um, flip side with um, desiring a girlfriend is figuring out the whole romantic part because I'm because I found that women tend to be romanticism be into romanticism and I'm not so I'm like I have no idea how to figure that out but I just want to cuddle her and rub her booty and massage her scalp like can I just get a girlfriend to do can can you can you move in this week (laughs) (laughs) I mean right now that sounds perfect for me so I don't live where you live, but if you just moved here, or I mean, I, I could move in with you for a short period of time and we could test this out. We'll see how it works. Try, I have to quarantine anyway. If I go anywhere, it'll it'll be fine. We can make it work. I love it'll, it'll be great. Uh, hey, you know, I'm in a long distance. So with honey for almost four years. So, yeah, you know, n- no problem. You know, have have massage will travel, you know, so, <laughs> You know, with um, what I found in poly spaces is there's been um, an increase of non-sexual cuddling that has been coming in because we are, especially now with this um, quarantine, we're touch starved and skin hungry because we don't, we can't, you know, be close to people in the physical way. So, um, and that one to my list. (laughs) <laughs> touch starve and skin hunger um and that was a vocabulary where they came in a group and people started talking about it I was like oh okay yeah that's what and I used to be so anti-cuddle like I need you to get out of my space <laughs> but as I've got but of course whenever wow, you're anti- right out of bed. <laughs> well you know I, I do do that I, I will put you out but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um I tend to attract people who enjoy cuddling so then I decided, oh, I, I want to learn how to be able to do things. So I started to try to develop my cuddle and massage skills um, in order to connect with partners that that's how they receive affection the best. But when it comes to my bed, please, please don't judge me. When it comes to the bed, I need you to stay on your side. I need you to not touch me when I sleep. And if you can get like a separate bed, that will be great. And let me have a bed to myself. Wait, so everything that you're saying is something that I have struggled with for many years, right? Um, I had a long-term ex-boyfriend. He likes to cuddle. He likes to cuddle a lot. So we had, I had to set restrictions on what cuddling would look like. I was like, okay, after we have sex, we can cuddle. If we are going to fall asleep, if I feel myself falling asleep, you need to not touch me ever at all. Do not touch me while I'm sleeping. Don't do any of that. I get hot, I get uncomfortable, I don't want it, so just don't. So we had like a specific, you know, cuddling thing. And there are times, of course, when I want affection, but it's not necessarily a cuddle, like I just want to hold your hand or like touch your dick or something, I would do that. But, you know, I just don't, I mean, is it a lie though, Sham? Like, you, how long have you known me at this point? Like, you know, sometimes that, that, that I just need to touch your dick. That sounds very much on track, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, so, yeah, I understand, I understand. It sounds like you need a cuddling contract, like... Here are the terms and agreements for when cuddling should happen. And, you know, sign here, sign here, sign here, and yeah. I see nothing wrong with anything that you said, Sham. 
It's very important. It's very important. We need to put this cuddling contract into place. Just saying. Sham, that's your job. Write up this contract for cuddling. We'll share it far and wide. Cuddling contract. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm done for that. Well, no, it's good. It's good. I, I, try, I think, um, I don't know if it's part of, well, the romanticism, I mean, the aromanticism comes into play even with my personality that or characteristics that that are common with introverts and Aquariuses. So I'm very sometimes I'm too logical about situations that require a more emotional um, response or a viewpoint, um, which is something I'm I'm working on. Something I'm working on. So it's it's interesting that even though I just found out the term a romantic, I realized that that has been in my life for years. Um, and that's something that um, when you're doing this journey that you'll find out, oh, this has been me for years. I just didn't have the words or the language. Like a lot of us have been non-monogamous for years, but we didn't have the words or the language. And we thought, yep. you know, society said there's something wrong with us. You're weird. You're, you know, you're not built for this. You don't really care about people. You don't want relationships. And you're like, no, that's not it. And I can't. And then so someone or someone got together and created this whole new world for us. And now we're like, ah, everything makes sense. I wish I knew this when I was 15 because this would have just helped me a lot. <laughs> but you, and then you have to also add the, um, the part of particularly in among black culture that's very fundamentalist Christian concepts of strict monogamy. Um, this is how oh, you yeah. do it and you don't change. And, and if you're not strict monogamous and if you don't wait to quote unquote save yourself for marriage, there's something wrong with you and you need to be fixed in some in some sort of way. And that's not true. But on the on the flip side of that, here's all the porn that's the exact opposite of what we just said. <laughs> oh, oh, listen. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. <laughs> like everything we just said. Okay, here's all the porn that's the exact opposite of it. And then you get people who get married and are like, I can't understand the disconnect. And they have to go mm -hmm. through different trials and errors to understand all of it is okay. Strict monogamy, it's okay. If you don't, if you want to do monogamish, that's okay. If you want to be non-monogamous, that's fine too. Um, the consent, but the, the thing that I really have enjoyed the most about non-monogamy is the pushing of open, honest communication. And as, as I was talking about how we were raised in monogamous society, they just don't allow for you to be openly and honestly communicate with the person that you're supposed to be the most intimate with. Like that person is just supposed to know automatically and you not, you don't have to say anything, but they just supposed to know. Yeah. Because and everyone reads minds. We all know that. Of, yeah. In monogamy, because in monogamy, you, okay, I'm not going to say in monogamy In unhealthy relationship cultures, you don't have a mind. 
you only have one mind. That's why the two become one, because you only have one mind. And it's the group think of your partner is supposed to know everything about you. And you know everything about your partner without any communication or any words. <laughs> and all of it is based on assumption. But polyamory says, or, or ethical or consensual non-monogamy says, we have to talk about everything. And for a lot of people, that's so uncomfortable because they were taught you don't have to talk about that stuff. You should just know, you know. So to come to your partner to say, you know, I love and adore you. At the same time, there is someone else that I'm interested in. That's a hard conversation. That's a hard mm-hmm. thing to say and a hard thing to hear. So you go through all of that and unfortunately the the newbies that are coming in are bypassing that part and they're jumping into oh you like somebody okay let's just go ahead and and get with someone and not understanding we should look at what does that mean and you know that makes me feel a certain way because I don't experience jealousy but I do with envy because I'm a spoiled brat let's just get that uh, (laughs) let's just get that on the plate right now I'm a spoiled brat and I'm a princess same. Can't help it sometimes. <laughs> and you just need to understand that about me. And at the same time, to hear, you know, you like someone else, it's kind of like, aren't I supposed to feel a certain way? But I may not necessarily so. And I'm going to go back to um, what Jen said about one of her prior comes um, one of the, on the podcast with my partners. I adore that they adore their partners and talk about But with my friends, they know, hey, I am your best friend. Um, Who is this other friend? And that other friend, do they not know I'm the best friend? Did you tell me that you were going someplace? Why y'all going to that movie? Why you yeah, wh- why are you with these other people who are not me? Hello? Ha- Hello? Oh, <laughs> yes, that's what my jealousy is, is with my friends. I'm, I'm learning, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to let it go, but still, I'm still the best friend, they understand that. I am but, to let it go. I am, I am here to stay forever. But with your poly partners, you, you know, having to, to deal with that, that says, um, I've spoken to a few people who were transitioning with their partners, and they were like, how do I, you know, deal with feeling like I'm not enough or that there's something wrong with me? And it's it's not that it's like you you are enough. Um, and I do try to also encourage people to research monopoly configurations, because I think that is a better option for a lot of couples out here than both of you try to be something you're not. Because your partner may not mm-hmm. don't want anyone else. They just want to be with you and they're naturally or their orientation is just monogamous. And, and that's okay. And their other partner is poly and that's okay too. And you can still cultivate people to be together. So here's my romantic part of that. I always want people to stay together forever. Like, no, you can't break up. So I take breakups hard, too. Like, what do you mean you're not together? Why did y'all break up? Why are y'all getting a divorce? Like, did y'all not talk it out? <laughs> yeah, like, didn't, didn't the therapy work? Do you need me to help? I can help you fix this. All you have to do is just tell me everything. 
that's the romantic part of me. Like, I just want people to stay together. And I want you to stay together and be happy forever. But for me, yeah, no, that romantic stuff, I don't do that. No, keep your bubble baths <laughs> over there. I don't do that. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but also there are people who are called, um, and uh, let me get it right, Ambios. Um, I can't remember. The well, you, you know I don't know, so. No, no, I can't, uh, I'm going to think of it later, but it is, it is the um, person who identifies as they could be in a, polyam- a polyamorous relationship or a monogamous relationship. So it really doesn't matter. They kind of flow between the, it's an ambiest, um saying. So, ah, they, so yeah. they, they flow between the two. So it, there are people who, if they have one partner, they're fine. I mean, at the beginning of my journey, when I met Honey, I had got to the point where if we if we were in long distance, if we existed in the same place, I probably wouldn't have any other partners. Because to me, he would, would have been enough of a partner for me at that particular time. Um, but now I have uh, different partners. But there are times that he has been my only partner. And that was, you know, pretty cool. I really wasn't like, okay. But I felt still at my core that I was polyamorous because it was the freedom to have other partners if I so wish. So it wasn't a change in my orientation. It just was at the time, just the one relationship was sufficient. Ah, gotcha. Um, ah. An update on the term, I see ambiamorous, is that? Yes, that's that it. familiar? That's yes. the term. Able to, able to enjoy being part of monogamous and polyamorous relationships. No, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Uh, just how everything plays out. I don't know. It's 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 so great talking to people who have these not necessarily unique perspectives, but have these different perspectives that we don't always hear about in media. Because of course, when we do lifestyle podcasts like this one, especially around polyamory and non-monogamy, you pop up with a lot of like swingers and other similar such things. And you don't really get into the nitty gritty of different types of, you know, relationships as we see here. And also, especially when you get to black people, like we said, Christianity and all that stuff. By the way, do you identify as religious in any way? Or are you? Actually, I actually identify um, as a Christ follower. I've ah, okay. For 16 years. Um, I love the Lord and I love sex. I mean, but. I I have been in a unique position where so I are heavenly. Thank you, thank you. Yes, um, but I've been in a in a unique position where I never had a conflict between my faith and how I practiced it and my romance or my um, sexual life and how I practice it. Um, I'm also um, into kink and BDSM and leather, but I never had. But I will also I came into this much older. So then that gives me a perspective as well, as if I would have came into this 20 years ago. So now that I, the mm-hmm. fact that I came into this older and I just felt that sense of um, self, I don't have a lot of conflict um, with with the two. I do have a funny story, though. But uh, so when I first met, <laughs> so when I first met Honey, got to know each other before we parted ways. We kissed, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I kissed somebody's husband. Like, oh, I, I like, had a total freak out in my mind. Like, oh, my gosh, this is somebody's, <laughs> oh no. this is somebody's husband. What is she going to say? But his wife is, she's super cool. She's beautiful, sexy, sexy woman. And I did go through that point of 
that comparison point because I'm a human being. I don't want to ever come across like I did this all perfectly and I had myself together. No. When I saw her, I was like, he would never be interested in me because look at her and I am nothing like her. But of course that had had nothing to do with she's her. He loves her because of how she is. And he loves me because of how I am. And I actually fell for him because of the way he loves her. So it's one of those um, interesting things that you do go through those, those things. I mean, the first time I kissed the woman, I was like, Oh my gosh, I kissed the woman. Like, Oh my, Oh, okay. What does this mean? What is this? So you didn't have the Katy Perry moment. I kissed a girl and I liked it. You didn't have that. I, I kissed the girl and I did like it. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and here's, and here's an extra funny thing. I, I'm so not a kisser. Like I'm really not into kissing, but I attract people who like kissing, but I really enjoy kissing women more than men. But the lips are so soft. It's just, there's this, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I love women, but yeah, ignore me. Keep going. Yeah. So it's. I also prefer kissing women to kissing men. I'm I'm pretty sure you. (laughs) But it's one of those conflicting things because I'm just like, so what does that mean? And I'm very much a person who I'm pretty sure I'm completely outside of um, the scope on this one, but I don't feel like. A physical act determines your orientation. I'm just one of those people. Because I kiss the woman, when I say, oh, I've kissed the woman, everybody's like, oh, you're bi. No, I I kiss the, so, because I'm I'm very much an energy and vibey person. Um, So that's where my pansexual leanings come from. Um, Because that doesn't mean, now, I want to kiss all the women, and now I'm totally into all women. That's not the case. That just was that particular person. And it just so happens to be that she's a woman. So, and that's just mm. kind of how things go. But as the part of having these different identities, particularly within our culture, is we unfortunately, as much as we like to say we're open-minded, we really like to pigeonhole each other into something to where that we can kind of accept in our concept. So you can't say, so like I know men who, men who are, who identify as heterosexual and they enjoy pegging. For some people, they just automatically make a, like it's an act. So an act does not change your complete self-identity and people get to self-identify however they want to. We do not get to impose what identity we want on people and then say, we're accepting and open-minded. No, <laughs> no, you're not. So you can be into different things. And I think also that keeps a lot of men or those who um, identify as men, it keeps them so quiet about certain things that they want to enjoy or certain experiences that they have because they feel like, oh, if I say this, then people are going to see me in a certain way. And, oh, for sure, for sure. And it's especially true of black men. You're quite right. Yeah. And I just try to make it to where, you know, if you tell me something, you like something, I'm like, okay, you like it. And they're thinking, are you going to see me different? Do you going to expect something different? I'm like, no, I've, I've had experiences with men who um, we were attempting to um, 
have some type of sexual intimacy and it just didn't go as such. So they felt like I was going to see them as less of a man. And it's just like, no, because stuff happens and I do no expectations, no pressure. So it's okay if it didn't work out. I don't expect you to perform it every second of every minute that I expect. And then as a woman, be like, don't accept the same, don't expect the same thing from me. No, I'm not going to perform at 100% all the time. I'm not going to expect you to perform. Sometimes stuff just don't, you know, work work out. And, and Whiskey that's dick a- is real. Yeah. So, so very real. As long as I get to, for me, as long as I get to play with your penis, I'm happy. Just, you just, like, do something else. Like, watch TV or play a game or read a <laughs> Or talk to a friend. Just let me play okay. with it. Okay, so I have I have a question then. Seriously, so like to play with it. Do you like to play with it when it's soft too? Um, because penises are my favorite. I don't care if it's soft or hard. I don't care if it's big or little. I'm gonna play with it because penises are my favorite. And I and I am into mm-hmm. talking So. Ooh. Okay. So like, are you sing? Are you are you available to? date or talk to more people right now i mean maybe there's some dudes out there who just want you to play with their penises they have to know if you're open and available i'm always open to opportunities <laughs> open to opportunity okay and you said you were you were considering having a girlfriend and trying to figure out how that would work what is your ideal if you have an ideal what is your ideal girlfriend scenario like aside from just you know the cuddling and the booty rubbing is there anything else that you would require in that oh my gosh i sound so bad because no if we could just watch movies while we cuddle i think i'm I'm good (laughs) but it all depends on what the other person wants um a lot of times i think it's difficult for me to really be specific about the things that i want from a partner because i would like to hear their input or what their side is and then that lets me know, okay, I can do that or I cannot do that. Um, but no, I don't really. Yeah. And then I need her to like go away and then go with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That makes sense. So ladies, if you're out there, you want to get some cuddles and booty rubs, V's your gal. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But oh, so I have a I have a quick thing to say. So back to what we talked about before, that um, fear of not being enough that a lot of people go through um, when they're transitioning from mono into poly. Um, that's something that I read about in Esther Perel's book. It had nothing to do with polyamory, but I was just talking about the state of relationships and how there is this ideal that exists in the world that your partner must be everything. Like you said, two minds coming into one. That one person has to be everything for you. And that is literally impossible for anyone to accomplish. So anybody who has some of these feelings, just know also it was never really supposed to be this way. There, there's there's a community set up for a reason, right? There are certain things that your partner would not be able to give you that you would get from outside members of the community. So say your partner is not very spiritual. If you want spiritual guidance, you go to your church or your local religious setup, correct? You wouldn't expect your partner to be your spiritual guide if that's not something that they're well-versed in, I would think. And I think that I view relationships in that way where it's like, I... If I love rock music and this partner doesn't like rock music, don't worry. There's another one that does. And it's, it's, it's not a failure in either of our, either of our parts to not connect on this one thing there. That's why we have communities. That's why we have 
other relationships, such as friendships, even family to a certain extent, fulfills a need that I think romantic partners should not, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. And it makes it um interesting. So of course as a I guess of course, as a quote unquote single woman, uh you get approached by some lovely couples um in regards to forming relationships. Um I Unicorn think <laughs> some are and some are ethically trying to form triads. So I'm gonna give you know, given benefits of a doubt. Um, and I think because of how I identify with the aromanticism and the fact that I've always clicked more with men than women, I think on that part, it's easier. I think it takes the pressure off of him to have to like do double romantic stuff. However, at the same time, I think that creates a weird, um, it makes it more difficult to connect with her because she's used to romantic stuff. So you get into that point where it, it's hard to connect to two people, of course, at the same time and the same rate. But um, being aromantic, especially when you have a person who who's used to providing romanticism and a person who's used to accepting romanticism. And then you come in, they're like, and you're like, yeah, I don't do any of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So what now? What do we do now? Yeah. So then how does, how does this work? So that's why for me, it's important to build my, all of my connections. I don't use the word relationship because relationship in people's mind connects to romanticism. I use connections. Um, so with my connections, it's just easier for us to start off as friends because then we can have that friendship level and then we can build it up from there. I was having a conversation with someone about my aromanticism and their concept of romanticism. And for me, I think it's because I I cannot comprehend romanticism. Like I've looked it up. I've looked up the dictionary term and I've read it. And for me, I just still don't get it. But but also, I don't feel I feel like my aromantic relationships pretty much looks like everybody else's relationship. Uh, just like I never wanted to be married, but I've always wanted to be in a long term relationship. I just did, didn't necessarily want to be married. And again, I am not anti marriage. <laughs> I'm about to be in the third wedding this year, so. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, congratulations yeah. to your friends getting married. Yeah, my 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 brothers get married to a wonderful person, and I tell people I don't want to be in their weddings, and yet I'm going to be in the third wedding. So <laughs> it is what it is, and I and I celebrate marriages, but it's just not something. But I still would like the long term commitment. And here's another twisty, ironic part: if I am with um, a, a person who's married, I am open to a commitment or hand fasting ceremony if that's what my partner wants. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I know for some people that um, for people who are married and um, are open to um, an additional partner because they can't legally be married to that person, 
they would be open to a commitment or hand fasting ceremony um, is the same because there are some people who are really into the fairy tale weddings. And then that way you're able to provide that for your additional partner. And I do think that helps that additional partner really feel part of the full relationship because you, um, and one of the other, I've been a couple of triad groups and then one of the triad groups, they, uh, did a video of them proposing to the girlfriend and I was of course that um my weird self was like that is I watched that video like about five times because <laughs> it was because you don't necessarily see people do that um go that extra step especially if they're in a triad or desire triad where they propose to the person and I mean they proposed had a ring and then they took pictures together um her uh, the wife with her wedding ring and the do the fiance with her engagement ring. And so they're planning a wedding. That's and beautiful. It isn't it though. I feel like that um, other partner must have felt so surprised in that moment, because if you're in a couple, you kind of, you know, sort of can see a, a marriage proposal coming like eventually, but I don't think she <laughs> could even, Fathom, but I don't I don't know what they discussed before, but you know, I don't think he ever expect to be proposed to by a couple. So I, I can just imagine the, the the shock and excitement on her face in that moment. Yeah, she was she was completely surprised um with it and didn't didn't quite believe that it was happening. Um I know that the conversation that I have with um people who are who are already married um, that there's generally a concern by the other spouse that I want to come in and take their place or be the others or be their spouse. And I'm like, no, that's, you know, that's not something I'm, I'm interested in. But later on and, you know, as the, your connection grows and it goes into a certain space, it could be where you would have that separate conversation where how would your spouse feel if we had a commitment ceremony? That did not involve it, especially if you're in a V. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're in a V. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, how would they feel about some? You know, I'm pretty sure okay with it. Then there might be others that um, are not okay um, with it, depending on how reflective of the first marriage is to the second marriage. So. like I said, I'm open because I'm in V's. I am open to a commitment ceremony if that's something we want to do. But since I'm not into jewelry, he wouldn't have to worry about getting me a ring. So that wouldn't be a big deal. Um, but I probably would have something of significance like a bracelet or a necklace or something, but not necessarily a, a ring. But for people who are have been interested in triads, I always say that is a conversation that they probably want to have, especially if you're saying, we want to have a partner that we want to, you know, include or build with or be equal with. Well, you know, that may also include marriage and children. So that's a whole conversation for them to have. Well, no, that, that's like that funny. Idea. Yeah, it is nice. I mean, and so, so Sham, remember that House Hunters episode with the throuple? Yes. So you love so much. Yeah. OK, fine. I watch HGTV a lot. Screw you. This is my life. All right. Um, but yeah, so the throuple, they had had a ceremony and they, I followed them on Instagram, you know, whatever. And of they, course you do. 
uh, hey, don't be a hater. Love is love. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so they posted like a video, I think, of when they had proposed to their their partner. I mean, they're married now or whatever. And, you know, because they had kids. The, the couple had kids before. And then, you know, they opened their relationship up. You know, they met this lovely person and they're all in love. And so on, I don't know if you saw that House Hunters episode V where they were looking, they were moving to a new state and they were looking for a house for them and the kids and all the space and, you know, space for three cars in the garage and separate, all these vanities and all the things that come with building a life that's long-term in the same house with someone, I guess is the way to put that. And like, you know, they need space for their really massive bed that the three of them share. It's very adorable. But yeah, they posted on Instagram the other day, like, hey, this is like, I guess it was the anniversary of when they proposed to her. And it was very, very cute. I was like, this is so sweet. I love, I love watching people get engaged. I love engagement videos. And I think, yeah, I need to see more polyab engagement videos. That would make me happy. Yeah, definitely. That should be more of a thing in the world. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, V, is what's your experience with communities in general? So you kind of have your non-monogamous community, but I think you also mentioned something like an aromantic community. And then I don't know if that, like, how that matches with, like, being black, because part of the whole thing with this podcast is, you know, there are communities out there, but then they're not necessarily filled with people like us. I don't know if it's similar, if you had that experience or... From the jump, you had people similar to you in those communities. No, I, th- I think because a lot of things in life is intentional. So you have to just be intentional with the different things you do. Um, I always considered myself a um, little miss in between. And so I always feel like a subset of a subset of a subset of a, <laughs> of a community. Yep, you said that before. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because uh, for most people who start I would say no generally for people of color who start off in these alternative communities you don't see much of yourself and you have to like kind of find us and then when you find us you're like oh gosh it is a lot of us but in order for that to happen someone has to be a to be the one to like step out there and be like we do exist um, I, I, to be honest, I have not seen any person of color who identifies as a romantic at this point. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. I've seen people of color, particularly black people who identify as asexual. I've seen them identify as intersex and all of the other alphabets under the umbrella. But I think aromanticism is a little bit different because in my mind it's a little it's newer and because at least in my mind because sexual orientation leans a lot on romanticism it's a hard concept for people to understand or why you're even under the umbrella anyway <laughs> it's like, and I don't necessarily call for, for me I'm going to say for me I me I don't consider my aromanticism to be a sexual orientation. I feel like it's an alternative orientation because it's not anything that has to do with, for me, it has to do with sex because I like, I don't have to like you to have sex with you. I just have to be attracted to you. So I don't really have to talk to you, like really know your dad or like if it's something about you, like, Oh, I want to have sex with you. I want to have sex with you. And then I need you to get out of my face. So to me, it's not based on. That sounds about right. 
it's not really based on, it's not really based on anything so i think it's one of the newer ones and it's further down in the alphabet so it doesn't get a lot of um profile or advertising or marketing so at this point i have not met very many people who identify this way and then even under romanticism there's like i think four subsets identities that you can fall under so then there's that too so oh wow because everything is not just so i under the aromanticism spectrum along that spectrum i am between two which is called one is gray romantic and the other is why romantic and why romantic is you don't quite know what it is but you know it's not romanticism so there's like these subsets of it. So everything has a subset, right? <laughs> so it all trickles um, down that way. Because even with um, heterosexualism, you have heterosexual and then you have heteroflexible and so, or heteroromantic. So everything has a subset, but that it doesn't necessarily mean that it has anything to do with sex or romantic feelings. Oh, true. That's interesting. I said, because I know when people generally talk about romantic feelings like that, they tend to, yeah, no one thinks aromanticism there. Everyone's thinking asexual, which I think I'd asked you that before. I was like, okay, is this like similar to asexuality? And you're like, no, actually, here's all the reasons why. And I was like, oh, so aromanticism can be a part of asexuality and on the a spectrum, but it's still its whole separate thing, which I think, yeah, people would have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. And as far as um, communities are involved, because um, I exist in these different alternative communities, I just find, as they say, find your people. I just connect with people who accept me, that, that's who accept and respect me. That's all I, I look for. They might not even understand, and that's okay, as long as they accept um, what it is. Um, I try not to, I try to meet everybody at their level. Because if I start talking about aromanticism, they have like no clue. Even if I sent them information, they're like, I don't get it, which is which is fine. You don't you don't have to get it. You just just respect it. Right. So um, I have been my journey has been I've been very fortunate um, to connect with the people that I connect with. But again, I came into this older and with a pretty strong sense of self. So the feelings that people may feel where they're being shamed or judged or attacked, I don't feel those same things because I already have strong connections already. So, and the funny part is um, the people that I connect with don't necessarily identify as polyamorous. They're non-monogamous, but they don't necessarily identify as polyamorous. So I have better I have a better track record with people who identify as non-monogamous than I do with people who identify specifically as polyamorous. Well, based on what you said before, I can see why that would happen, because you said um, that people, when they say polyamory, they only think of the one type of love. So I can imagine those that you probably came across that identify as polyamorous did it with the, I guess, the romantic type of love in their head and not necessarily, you know, the different versions of love that you know you had said before so i can see how that happens yeah no for sure i mean that's that's definitely a thing as i said and, and yeah we, we talked about this and i 
I appreciate you being so open and candid with us, by the way, and just, you know, you're like, you're, you're the person that's out there now once this podcast episode comes out. <laughs> you're now leading the charge. So if, if people were to try to want to talk to you on social media, where would they find you? Always Facebook. Facebook Messenger, um, um, Vero on Facebook. Um, I don't accept friend requests, but my inbox is always open. Uh, yeah, awesome. that's understandable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, friend requests are a weird thing, I think, right? I think I, I just sent a friend request the other day, which I haven't in quite a long time. And um, people are just kind of like, oh, wow, like I, we've talked on Facebook Messenger, but I never, ever thought to become Facebook friends. I'm like, I know, right? But now we are. <laughs> <laughs> people are very particular about their social media so i i don't accept friend requests but my messenger is open generally because i would say 98 percent of my posts are public so even if you friend me you're not going to see much different than if we were unfriends plus i don't have any pictures on my profile so you're not going to see what I look yeah. It's not even like you're going to see your face. Yeah. I have things. I have the privacy setting to where you will only see mutual friends that we have. You won't see my whole friends list. So to me, it's not. But my my point of having social media is to cultivate relationships outside of social media. So I've had people who I've friended them. I unfriended them. And then they hit me in the messenger like, why did you unfriend me? And it was like, please don't take it personally. You know, I still adore you, but I didn't understand why we needed to. There was no reason for us to have to be friends on Facebook. So my Facebook profile is intentional and the people I am friends with um, serve a particular purpose. Okay. We'll see guys. That's great. That's where to find V. I want to thank her again for coming on the show. Is there anything else you wanted to let us know about V or Sham? Anything you want to just thrust at her? And, you know, that sounded kind of sexual when I said it that way. I was about to say, like, interesting choice of words. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to thrust at her right now, no. Sham, you can thrust whatever you like at me. My inbox is always open. See that, guys? Oh, all right, then. This, is, this is how we make connections, right here on Monogamish Pod. You heard it here first. There's a connection right. brewing. <laughs> you're, you're, you Happy guys' podcast is amazing. Uh, by the way, um, I would encourage people to start from not even episode one, but from the intro, then to episode one, and then go all the way through with the tidbits. And then hit them up on their social media with their tidbits, because they've had a couple of things that they've said that had me hollering in the car, because it was so funny. And I I hit Jen up with the... um, couple of satans because that cutting came with a lovely lady. <laughs> yeah <sure. laughs> she loved when you said your cutting came with a lovely lady <laughs> that that was that was a very special one that was from one of like the really early episodes so it's, oh, it's wow. very funny yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much we, we appreciate the love i love i love oh and the sexual collaboration i was yeah, see, Sham, you're really, really funny. It's not just me. I'm not the only funny one here. Sham, you're funny too. Yay. Not as funny as me. Yeah. Of course, but, you know. Of course, of, of course not. <laughs> of course not. Why would I ever think that? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> silver medals work too. <laughs> Thank you, V. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Maybe we'll bring you back to talk about religion. Who knows? I am open for that. Oh, sweet.
Yeah, that's been a great conversation. I've learned so much. I think I may look into aromanticism and the different kind of romances later. So thanks for at least opening my mind. And we want to thank our very, very illustrious guest, V, for that wonderful interview. And how? T- tell me that was not just fascinating. Like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be biased. <laughs> but this is one of my favorite guests we've had on so far, just, for, just from the... The content standpoint, not her herself. I don't want to put her above anybody else. I don't want to make anybody else mad. But what she actually spoke about was just so. I don't know. I, like yeah. made me think about my own relationship in a new way. Oh, it definitely did. Definitely did. And um, you can find V. Of course, we will drop her social media links in the show notes. But you can find her on Twitter and on Facebook Messenger. Like you said, she's not going to add you on Facebook. And, but she's she's been tweeting a lot recently. Like I, I interact with her on Twitter, so like if you see her, you will know who I'm talking about. And uh, yeah, I mean it's amazing. We love V, and I really just I talk to her all the time. I'm sorry. She <laughs> like she's a super fan, and I'm a fan of her. So it's just it's just nonstop love over here. See, Jen is just showing off on us right now because we only get to hear this one interview, but she's just like, oh no, I get this all the time. You know, so all the time. You're probably right now saying like, wow, I could listen to her talk all day. You know who does that? Jen. Jen does that all day. That's right. I do. Like, oh, I just got to put this on repeat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just put it on repeat, but it's okay. We're going to bring V back. You don't worry about it. For real. We're definitely going to bring her back. We're going to talk about some more stuff. But until then, we want you guys to interact with us on social media. So, like, tweet us and Instagram us or DMs or whatever it is people do on Instagram, at monogamishpod. At, mm-hmm. There we on go. Twitter, at monogamishpod. Mm-hmm. Uh, monogamishpod.com boom boom oh I think I forgot this one last time patreon.com slash oh yes find us on patreon first that is the first place you need to find us (laughs) support some of your patreon hoes yeah content and stuff on there I mean and if you don't want the content just like hey throw us a bone come on yeah thank you for being a friend is an option you can start supporting us for as low as three dollars a month and uh, we put up our episodes on SoundCloud and we remember to do that so that's amazing. Again, if you you know if you guys subscribe to our Patreon, we can have our SoundCloud regularly uploaded using yeah. your Patreon support. So think about that. Even like, though you could also get it straight from Patreon, but you know that that's that's besides the point. That's okay. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> let's see what else is there. Rate, review, and subscribe. Of course, Apple Podcasts. When you do it on Apple Podcasts, reviews are great. People can find us. Share us with your friends. Like. We are not meant to be kept just to yourselves. We no, want to connect with under a bushel. Don't hide us under a bushel. We are your light. Share us with your friends. Let them get to know us and get to know about the lifestyle. Even if they're not a part of the community, they may want to hear some of the weird shit we have to say. So y'all should y'all should do that. If there's one thing you should learn from this podcast about us, we like we like sharing with our friends. If you know what <laughs> I mean. That's right. <laughs> Let's see. Is there anything else we forgot to mention today? Um, hmm. I mean, I think I that's think. about it. Of course, you know, oh, our friends over at All Playground. I just want to say one last time. Thanks. Thank Sponsor you for us. being a friend. Check them Big out at allplayground.net. Bloop, bloop. And uh, yeah, that's all she wrote. So once again, I'm Jen. I'm Sham. And? And? We're, we're monogamous. monogamous. Nope. Nope, that was just, that was bad. I don't know. That was bad. Almost got it. Almost got it. Next time. Next time. Excellent, excellent, guys. Bye-bye.